If you are in Sydney or Melbourne, listen up because we have some exciting news for you. Listen. Yeah, listen. Saturday, July. (laughs) Melbourne, we are doing Do Go On The Quiz Show live one night only or one afternoon only. Part of the Replay Festival at Comedy Republic on Saturday, July 6th at 3pm. This is 2024. And then the next weekend in Sydney, we are going up for a live Do Go On podcast at the fabulous Ritz Cinema on Saturday, July 13th at 3pm. Also 2024. Yeah, 2024. Yeah. Listen. 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 And get tickets. Buy tickets. Tickets at Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey everyone, just Dave here letting you know that we are back doing live podcasts in front of real live audiences. Four shows at the European Beer Cafe, Sundays at 8.30 at the end of March and into April. The show's actually sold out during the week. Boo! But then we got an email from the venue today saying that they can slightly increase capacity. Yay! So if you have missed out and you'd still like to get involved, those tickets are... Uh, on sale now and you can get them via the link in the description of this episode and matt is doing a stand-up show at the melbourne international comedy festival that is also on sale right now he's doing four weeks at the victoria hotel in his brand new show nostalgia was better when i was a boy and i am reliably informed that you can get a discount if you use the code all one word do go on I'll also include a link to that in the description of this episode all right that's it for me let's get to the episode Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and as always I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello! Hello! (laughs) Now, it's great to be here on this show that we struggle to explain every week. So a few months ago I put a shout out on the show, not thinking that anything would come of it, but secretly hoping. And, uh, And that was, hey... It would be great if we could have like a 60s style sitcom theme song that explained the show. And uh, we've had a bunch of entries. Uh, thank you so much. People have just been emailing them to <laughs> dogoonpod at gmail.com. And I believe, Matt, we have one this week that I have not heard yet. That's right. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I say it's, well, you say it's from this week. It was sent in late November. <laughs> so um, obviously, we're keeping on top of the <laughs> mailbox. Uh, this comes from Evelyn in Ontario in Canada. And Evelyn writes, hey, guys, uh, the second you put up the challenge to create a theme song, I knew I had to take part. It's definitely one of the cheesiest things I've done, 
but I hope you enjoy it nonetheless. Um, here it is on SoundCloud. You can put a link to this in the show notes, Dave. Fantastic. Awesome. To prepare the laugh soon You'll be a bit smart and know some really fun facts You got Dave, Dave with the pies Matt with the beer Jess She's the best It's Dave <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh, well, that that is amazing. Little slice of heaven. <laughs> It'd be good if more of them could also uh, rank us. I think that would be good. Oh, yeah. I didn't even notice it yeah. calling you the best means that I'm less than the best. Yeah. Which I I mean, I knew, but. But yeah. it's not. Oh, yeah. That's why it didn't stand out to me. Because <laughs> it's just the norm. I wasn't like, oh, my God. Hang on, I've been slighted. Second well, when third. people ask you what you do, surely you say, there's Dave with the pies. <laughs> Me with the beard. And yes, she's the best. Oh, I wasn't sure if it was the beard or the beer, but I guess either is both, is both, both very deep <laughs> both very deep looks at me as a person. Yeah. That's your personality. Beard and beer. <laughs> You're the My, beard guy. Mine's pies. Yeah. And I'm, I'm proud. And I'm the best. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's right. That's my thing. <laughs> that was uh, that was beautiful. In the words of Jess Perkins, I would call that cute as fuck. Oh, that was cute as fuck, and also like very much my taste in music as well. So I was yeah. like, I would listen to so much of your stuff. Keep making music, but only if it's about us. <laughs> oh yeah, preferably. But you know, not every song can be about perfection. I reckon that might make next year's hottest one hundred easily because yeah. I'm gonna rig it. Can we? Can you do that? Will you be in trouble if you do that? Will I be in? Yeah, I reckon. But anyway, we always start with a question. As Dave, Evelyn probably said, but I was lost in the melody. I was so lost in the doo-doo-wop, <laughs> you know. Um, we always do start with a question. David, it's your week to do the report. Take it away. That is right. Now, last week, Matt did a topic, uh, why World War One started the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Mm. And he did ask me, hey, maybe you could do a... A follow-up World War One topic. And I thought, yeah, great. Of course, I'll do the history of World War One <laughs> from this point. No, I've been a little bit more specific. And my question is, World War One badass, Manfred von Richthofen, or Richthofen. Great name. Incredible already. Manfred von Richthofen is better known by what name? Oh. You've heard of Oh, this. the Red Bandit. No, the... Red Baron. It is the Red Baron. Yes, fuck you. <laughs> Going to have to give that to Jess, I'm fuck afraid. Yeah. <laughs> That's why she's the best, because she takes your half answer <laughs> and and wins. That's what like I it. did was uh, I mixed up the red um, Baron. <laughs> Baron and the sticky bandits from Home Alone, which I'm often doing. Yeah. Do you mean wet bandits? Well, they came back as sticky bandits, Dave. Do your research, mate. Read a book, watch a movie. Fucking hell. <laughs> I don't do sequels, except for Terminator 2, the best film ever made. All right. Um, we've done plenty of military badass reports on this show, mostly from World War Two. Yeah. Uh, rarely um, from this side of the war, I will say. Your side. 
Well, I think the only one that we've ever been that's not on the side that I guess Australia fought is in the World Wars was the last Japanese soldiers episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know yeah. if we've ever done a German soldier before. No. Were, were your ancestors still in Germany at the time? The Warnakis? No. Or the, the Vornakis? No, they came out Vornikes. in late, late 1890s, I believe. Oh, wow. All oh, right, just in time for the VFL AFL competition. <laughs> yes, they heard. That's my uh, my great great grandfather Heimrich Warnicke jumped ship at St Kilda yeah. of maneuver fame. Well, actually, at St Kilda, so he honestly did jump ship at St Kilda and didn't go back. Bloody hell! So uh, he probably would have supported the Saints if he was supporting it. Which we assume he did. Yeah, but then of course his great grandson, my grandfather, was uh, or his grandson, my grandfather, was a Melbourne supporter. I'm so sorry. Oh God. Hugely disappointing. Well, mainly for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Up> that demon. <laughs> well, this topic, the Red Baron, has been suggested by a bunch of people. Dave Cliff, Zane Hattinga, oh Alec McElroy, Aaron Wolf, Rowan Lockhart, and, of course, one name only needed for Brayden. You know what? We A long time ago we used to get too distracted commenting on every single name so now we kind of it's a bit of an unspoken rule that we shut up and let the names all be said but i wanted to interrupt at every single one of those mm. and be like fuck that's a good name fuck yeah that's a hot crop of names that's it that, and we say that every week but this week in particular we're not just kissing your butts i'm never not kissing your butts <laughs> yeah Wait, <laughs> never not that, you're always right? kissing butts <laughs> yeah uh do you guys know much about the red bandit slash baron i have heard of it in the simpsons i think yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I know nothing, to be honest. Very good. I think maybe more kills in the air than anyone else. Uh, had a cool-looking plane, maybe wore a scarf. And Is there a scarf involved? Maybe some of those fun goggles? goggles. Definitely goggles, goggles. And a leather helmet. Yeah. 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 How close is he? Uh, the first couple of things were, were quite accurate. Okay. Yeah. All right. Flew a plane. Anyway, I don't want to spoil too much, yeah. so let's let's let Dave go through the story. Yeah, let's let Dave tell his little story. Yeah. Um, okay, so I've got to put in the disclaimer that despite my name being Warnicky, a German name, for the record, I even mispronounced my own last name according to a German exchange student I once met. Yeah. So I'm going to continue that tradition by possibly butchering a few of the classics. You're going to do your best. I will. And that's all that anybody can ask. I've even, today. like, Googled, I've listened to people, how they say the name, and yeah. it's just like, that sounds fantastic in a German accent. Yeah. Here's my attempt. Uh, the man that would one day become the Red Baron, Manfred von Richthofen, was born on May 2nd, 1892. The son of an affluent family of Prussian nobles, his birthplace is now in modern-day Poland. Surely you call a Manfred Manny, right? Yeah, I think so. I've never heard um, anybody (laughs) actually go by Manfred. Manfred. What about Manfred Man Band? I take it all back. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the name of the band. Manfred Man something something band. Yeah. Ah, Whatever. (laughs) Close enough. Round (laughs) it up. Oh, uh, whatever. <laughs> That's such a fun... It's so early to just give up. <laughs> We've been here for five minutes. Oh, whatever. You So you're saying Manfred Mann should have called himself Manny Man. <laughs> yes. Or Freddy Man. Or Manny Freddy Man. Uh, Manny Freddy Manny getting petty. a Manny Petty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and which one's which, Dave? Which one's a Manny and which one's a Petty? Uh, Manny hands, Petty feet. Correct. No, Petty is children. <laughs> Manny men. Yes. yes, petty. Adults children. get manis, children get petties. Haven't you heard of a 
The pedicurist is a children's doctor. So. I'm really, yeah. I'm really slipping behind the ball this week. First, this Home Alone thing. Yeah. Now, chill, child doctors embarrass yourself twice. Yeah. Right, right off the bat. Come on, mate. I'll win you back with some facts okay. about the Red Baron. His father was a major, Albrecht von Richthofen. And like their father, the Red Baron, or RB, and his brothers were expected to walk in his footsteps and join the military. But before then, as a young boy, he enjoyed horse riding and game shooting. There were his two hobbies. Horse riding and shooting little birds. Ah, oh, game shooting. Not shooting Monopoly. <laughs> Puts a bunch of board Toy games guns, up on, yeah. a, on posts in a park. Shoots at them. Cop that Hong Kong edition. <laughs> we had that growing up. Really? Yeah, for some reason. <laughs> uh, he was tutored privately before becoming a military cadet in his, uh, at the age of just 11. But he didn't like taking instruction. By his own admission, he couldn't see the point in doing more than the bare minimum to pass. So his teachers thought very little of him. That, I think last week Archduke Franz Ferdinand joined the military at 11 as well. It must have been a thing they used to do. What yeah, were you doing when you were 11? I got oh, braces. I joined the army. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, I was firing uh, submachine guns. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Didn't get braces, though, so. Yeah, well. Uh, braces at 11. It's yeah. quite young. Yeah, I grew early so they could put them on. I didn't have that much growing left. Right, okay. Mm. Were you the only one? Uh, Looking around the classroom? Yeah, I'd have been like grade six. That's early. But that means I had them off by year eight. Which is oh. when a lot of people are starting to get them. You're blooming in year eight. Yeah, I was hot in year eight. Fantastic. Fugly for grade six and year seven. Who but cares? Year eight, year eight, you want to be hot in hot year eight. Hot bitch. <laughs> Who's this hot 14 year old? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's going to be edited out and used against you by someone. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, no. <laughs> I was referring to myself. <laughs> oh no! They won't be. They won't be taking that bit. That bit won't be in. No. Aww. This whole bit. I've taken you out of context, and then I've put some context at the end. I <laughs> 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 wouldn't want to make you look like a fool. <laughs> uh, so our our man von Richthofen was an active teenager and won prizes for his gymnastics on the horizontal bar. Oh yeah. And uh, it was a bit of a thrill seeker. Well, yeah, he- gymnastics. Now, one day he climbed a lightning pole for fun and attached his handkerchief at the top. Ten years later, when visiting his little brother at the academy, he was proud to look up and see the hanky still there. But he hadn't blown his nose That's since. Right. Funny where you can find pride, isn't it? Yeah. I'll put that hanky up there. Yeah, <laughs> Just cool. absolutely glowing. <laughs> Do people like, see that hanky? No. No. Well, what? I put that there. Yeah. All right. That was me. Smiling yeah, that was me. <laughs> He completed his schooling in 1911 and joined the third squadron of the Ulan Cavalry Unit. So he rode a horse. Great. And then he was commissioned as an officer. As Matt reported on last week, not sure if we uh, noticed this, but uh, World War One kicked off in 1914 for reasons we are still unsure why. <laughs> no, I explained it in quite quite a lot of detail I'm last still, week. Yeah, I'm not entirely yeah, sure. Yeah, completely confused. Yeah, I guess someone just said the wrong thing about someone else. Yeah, that's all I can remember. Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the war kicks off in 1914, and being in the military, the Red Baron is ready to fight. Yeah. He served as a cavalry reconnaissance officer on both the eastern and western fronts, but the conditions of World War I were unlike anything that had come before it. Trench warfare, where each side remained in opposing dugout trenches, resulted in a bitter stalemate between each side, and it meant the cavalry and horses were almost useless. Doesn't trench warfare 
in hindsight, seem quite dumb. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm in my hole. You're in your hole. Every now and then I'll shoot and then you hide. And then when I've stopped shooting, you start shooting. And we'll do this for many years. Yeah. It, sound, it doesn't sound like fun. Mm. I'm more into like cyber wars, you know? Cyborg wars. Cyborg just wars. Just let the cyborgs go at it. Yeah. And what we are can cyborgs then, again? We can just watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, throwing them, I'm throwing the cyborgs in a war. No idea what they are. Not quite sure what they are. They're not the ones that are half human, half robot, are they? Yeah, I think they are. Oh, now that's... I was just thinking I was chucking in robots, but... Which half's human? Dave? Genitals. Half? <laughs> half half is you, of you is genitals, Dave? Yeah, have you not seen Robocop? Mm, no. no. <laughs> but I don't... I think I'd know if... Robocop was mostly genitals. I feel like that would come up in conversation more. Yeah. We've talked about this in the past. A snake is mostly neck, but I didn't know a Robocop was mostly mostly cock. Yeah, that's right. It's a cock with a couple of guns attached. Whoa. He does. His head does look a bit like a cock. Head. Head of a cock. I mean, it looks like one because... Oh. Thank you. Oh, God. Now... Horse riders, cavalry are pretty useless in the war. You can't just go prancing around no man's land oh, great. between the trenches. He's you can't like, even prance around anymore. Ugh. He's right? like, I've backed the wrong horse here by backing any horse at all. Yeah. So the career military man was pretty bored. He was doing reconnaissance, passing letters around. Yeah. He wanted to make a mark, and now he was stuck riding a useless horse. He was then ordered to join the army supply branch, and the thought of transporting goods instead of actually fighting killed him. He needed action. Mm. So having seen and been inspired by German military aircraft, he applied to join the Imperial German Army Air Service. The story goes that in his application, he wrote to his superior officer, quote, My dear Excellency, I have not gone to war in order to collect cheese and eggs, but for another purpose. Oh. <laughs> that's essentially I'm not here to fuck spiders. Yeah. I hope the superior is like, oh, my gosh, we have put you in the wrong spot. Oh, my like, God. Oh. You're not here for... You're not the cheese and egg man? Oh, I'm so sorry. That is that is an admin error. But to be fair, we are a little busy. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Sorry about that. We sorry about that. And he's like, yeah, I'm vegan and this is pretty hard yeah, for me. Yeah, this is honestly making me quite uncomfortable. <laughs> it's debated whether this actually happened to that letter, but regardless, he was accepted into the Air Force. Okay. Having only flown a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Have you flown an aircraft? I've flown a horse. Say no more. Right this way. Welcome aboard. <laughs> How many hooves does this plane have? <laughs> Hi-ya! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's there whipping, the, whipping plane. the plane. And weirdly, it's working? Yeah, oh my God. How is he doing This that? guy gets results. Yeah. <laughs> Help. <laughs> Let me just talk to this plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's that? What's that? Whoa, girl, whoa. She needs petrol. (laughs) He initially trained as an observer and was assigned to an aviation training unit at Cologne. His job was to accompany an enlisted pilot in a two-seater Albatross, sitting behind the pilot, directing him where to fly over the lines so he could gather intelligence. Over enemy lines, I probably should have written there. Okay. He's like, go that way. And you have to realise the context of the time. The Wright brothers, who I've also done a report on, only flew the first ever plane, the Wright Flyer, for 12 seconds, just 12 years ago. Oh, at this point. shit. So 
it's pretty experimental. Planes had come a long way, but they were still uh, pretty basic. And at the start of the war, most of them weren't even armed. They didn't have like a drinks cart and... They didn't have any of that. There was no first class. Just what the business. fuck was the point? I mm. only fly first class. Mm. That's why we're broke. <laughs> I know. We're up the back going, Jess, did why we Why really, does she keep doing this? Do we need to spend the entire tour budget on flying one way to London? Yes. <laughs> uh, to quote from a website that uh, Matt actually linked me to, wikipedia.org. Am I saying that right? That is very good. Resource. Uh, enemy pilots at first simply exchanged waves or shook their fists at each other. Good. Due to weight restrictions, only small weapons could be carried on board. Intrepid pilots decided to interfere with enemy reconnaissance by improvised means, including throwing bricks, grenades, and sometimes rope, which they hoped would entangle the enemy plane's propeller. Pilots quickly began firing handheld guns at enemy planes. So, so that it was it was the planes were too light. You couldn't have heavy weapons on there. So they took bricks. Yeah, that's right. Light okay. bricks. <laughs> oh, all right then. Hollow bricks. That oh, that's wild. Yeah, they didn't have you know fancy machine guns. And on And then them yet. like eventually they're like, fine, I'll just take a handgun out. And there is instances early on in the war where someone shot down an enemy plane by firing a handgun at it. It's incredible. Wow. Which is amazing. Yeah. And then it got to the point where they were sort of like tough guys flying up next to each other and they're going, let's do it without the guns and they drop the guns yeah. out and then they sort of just hit their wings against <laughs> yeah. each other like, come on, let's go. Yeah. Mano a mano. Yeah. But then one of the guys realises he's about to die so he pulls out a little knife from his sock, from his sock and starts stabbing the stabbing plane. Stabbing the plane, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the, he's the one who was evil all along. Yeah, bad guy. And then right at the end you're like, oh, he's maybe he's being fair. No, he's not. He's no, he's not. stabbed a plane right in the guts. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Plane. What a dog. What a dog of a plane. I have no idea what you're referencing. A lot of films. Okay. You know those films and they're like, let's go, you and me. This whole movie's been building up to us having a fight. There's some complicated backstory about how I screwed you over when we used to be buddies fighting on the same side. Now let's go. And then Stallone fights Van Damme and then he, Stallone's about to kill Van Damme and he's like, well, let's not fight fair anymore. Here's a <laughs> knife that I prepared earlier. I mostly watch cartoons. <laughs> All right. So you've got the Bugs Bunny. I'm listening. The Bugs Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I went up. I remember when Justin Timberlake went up to the Bugs Bunny and said, drop the the. And it really changed everything. <laughs> well. I wish I could remember who he was playing in that film. So I always just. So in the, <laughs> in the social network, Justin yes. Timberlake played some guy who told the guy playing Mark Zuckerberg yeah. to take the the off Facebook. I reckon that's probably the tenth time I've referenced this on the show. First time yep. I explain it, regretting the explanation. No, that was great. It was the Napster guy, right? Edit out the explanation, please, Dave. Okay, fantastic. Because we all just got it. Yeah, everyone, yeah, everyone, everyone just it. got it. It's just a good joke. It's just a. It's just a good joke. Well, it's a, yeah. It's just. I beg you. I'm going to actually correct myself there. It's just a perfect joke. Perfect joke. Thank Fantastic. you. Speaking of um, great jokes, can you also edit out when I said game hunting was shooting at board games? No. I feel real gross about that. No. Really? Yeah. You reckon you could? No, Matt, you just were having a bit of fun. People yeah, get I it. mean, we know that, but mm-hmm. someone out there is going, well, this isn't the gold standard I'm used to. <laughs> well, you know, that just proves that we're human. Mm. And sometimes we're a bit shit. It's the swings you miss <laughs> that make the swings you hit. Even better. Even better. If you hit everything you swung at. Boring. Yawn. Yawn fest. This is my day to day. Right? But then if you miss 
when you do hit, it's like, oh, man, yeah. that euphoria. Oh, I cannot wait to finally experience that one yeah, day. Yeah, one day, little buddy. One day. I, that's my theory with the Saints. Yeah. When we finally win a, a premiership, oh, my God. Yeah, you've you've warned us before and, and hopefully, you know, uh, family members that when the, when the Saints do win a premiership, you will be disappearing for at least a week. I will be uh, <laughs> going to the game with my passport. <laughs> Even though... And a flagon <laughs> and a little... Uh, and also a little uh, dagger around yeah. my ankle. Just in case. Just in case. Just in case. <laughs> I mean, even though Australia's borders are closed at the moment, you will somehow end up in the Caribbean. Yeah, I have a funny feeling. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. On board some sort of super yacht. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. You have to go mano a mano against the captain. <laughs> and winner, then Matt is the captain. Yeah, winner now. takes all because you kill the and captain. The and then captain. that's how we eventually do a podcast on international waters because <gasps> Matt lets us on his boat. Yep. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. And the yacht is called... El Barge. Oh, I love it. We do it on a barge. You always want it on a barge. That's right. It's just a yacht called a barge. It's actually a super yacht called a barge. <laughs> does All your right. yacht, does your, hang on, does your super yacht have a pool? Oh, yeah, of course. Wonderful. Well, I mean, where else would you swim? Exactly. In the beautiful water surrounding <laughs> no, it? No, thank you. Yuck. I like chlorine. Okay, Dave, you may continue now. No, uh, it'll be a saltwater pool. Oh, even better. Yeah. Makes my hair go all cool and wavy yeah. and I feel fancy. Do you love a saltwater pool? Yeah. I love All salt, right. you know that. Yes, we love salt, but we also love talking about how planes were a bit shit at the start of World War One. Yeah, just like we're a bit shit sometimes. But, well said. <laughs> There's nothing like war to necessitate huge advances in technology, and the yeah. planes themselves quickly became weaponized. Only around the outbreak of the First World War did the planes start to get equipped with synchronization gear. The Germans were the first to implement this on the Fokker Eindecker fighters. That's fun, isn't it? That's fun. I will be saying Fokker a few more times. I'm like, did you have to go a long way around to work that into the report? I definitely read that and thought that's going in. So, synchronization. So, synchronization gear is a synchronization gear, rather, was a device that allowed the plane's machine gun to fire bullets through its spinning propeller blades without hitting them. Wow. So, it's incredible engineering. That's wild. So, they weren't always reliable at first. I would have just aimed them. Like, yeah, I just assumed they'd be put in a place so they didn't have to shoot through. That mustn't have been possible for balance or something. Oh, well, when you're at, so you just imagine yourself at the controls on one of these old, like, <laughs> yeah, <of course>. f- <laughs> fighter things where you're looking is where the plane yes. you know, is aiming. So the best place if you if you come up behind someone to shoot them is if you can just fire fr- right in front of you. Yeah, but the course. propeller is also there. Oh, man. So they just, they've timed it. So that in between the blades, the machine gun bullets Imagine fire. Trusting that's amazing. That. Imagine like being the first one up there, going, "Well, oh. I'll just give it a go." Wow, how clever! Well, and they weren't always reliable at first, and continued to get better throughout the war. But thinking about how fast the propeller spins, it, it still blows my mind. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Because the Germans were the first to develop this technology, it really took their opponents by surprise during the first couple of years of the war, and this period was referred to as the Fokker Scourge. <laughs> I had one of them myself. <laughs> what did that mean? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, what's that? Ooh, what's well, a Fokker Scourge? Uh, you probably first have to explain what a Scourge means. Yeah, what's a Scourge? Well, I'll start there. I'll fill this one. A Scourge <laughs> is a very successful period. Okay, yeah. Yeah, great. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, that clears that up. Hey, Dave, do go on. So Rick Toffin's first job was to sort of navigate from the back seat. 
and the first time he went up, Richtofen, he was just shitting himself. He wasn't sure what to expect, and as soon as the plane took off, he immediately lost his bearings. He's supposed to be in charge of telling the guy where to go. This immediately, <laughs> like, ah. you can still see the runway below him. <laughs> ah, we're on. Oh, I don't know where, where am I? We're in the air. We're in the air somehow. <laughs> so this is a quote from his book that he later wrote. Good sign. (laughs) I had not the slightest notion where I was. I began very cautiously to look over the side at the country. The men looked ridiculously small. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we understand that. (laughs) I love it. I guess not many people at this time have ever flown, Mm. so it would be mind-blowing. The houses... People had been a while away. away. (laughs) (laughs) You had seen people far away, though, right? He'd been close up to people his whole life. The houses seemed to come out of a child's toy box, he wrote. Everything seemed pretty. Cologne was in the background. The cathedral looked like a little toy. It was a glorious feeling to be so high above the earth, to be the master of the air. I didn't care where I was, and I felt extremely sad when my pilot thought it was time to go down again. Already I was counting down the hours to the time we should start again. So he immediately got lost, but he loved it, and he was hooked on the feeling. Hooked on a feeling. Ooga chaco. Ooga ooga. <laughs> Sounds like an absolute fucker spurge. <laughs> That's not what it was. That was better. Scourge. You made it better. Fucker splurge. Fucker splurge. Fucker splurge. Fuck a splurge. Oh, no. <laughs> His friend uh, George Zuma. Oh, great name for a pilot. Yes. Yeah. Taught him how to fly solo. And on Christmas Day 1915, Richthofen Past his final examinations. Wow. It was around this time that Richthofen encouraged his younger brother, Lothar von Richthofen, to join the Air Force. Also good. Lothar. Basically telling him, if you do anything else in the army, you'll be bored. He thought he was saving his brother from boredom. Right. Uh Uh-oh. The senior Richthofen studied aerial tactics under the master German strategist, Hauptmann Oswald Bolker. Who was one of the original fighter pilots? Wow! Because it's so new that there are like the first people that have ever done this are still around. Yeah, <laughs> still Teach. doing it. Yeah, wow. In March 1916, he joined the number two bomber squadron, flying a two-seater Albatross C3. And he didn't have the flying start you might expect for someone whose name we know over 100 years later. I imagine there's not many pilots from this era that you can name. So you'd expect him to have a great start. Yeah. Well, in fact, he looked like a pretty shit pilot the first time he got in there. He couldn't control the plane and even had a minor crash during his first flight. Oh, dear. Whoopsie. Uh-oh. I've had a whoopsie. I've had a little whoopsie. Yeah, well, he's still he's trying to figure it out after years on a horse, right? Yeah. <laughs> Slightly different. The one that the ideal stepping stone in between would be one of them flying horses. Yeah. Yes. Or a merry-go-round. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get him on there. Now I get He's it. Like, okay. oh, the people look like tiny ants from up here. <laughs> well, despite this less than ideal start when he crashed the plane on his first go, he flew his first combat mission after less than thirty hours of flight instruction. So imagine that you get thirty hours and then you're out there fighting in How World War One. How much you got to do to get your license, your driver's license now? It's like a hundred and hundred and twenty, I reckon. Hours. That is what I think. That is what they say to master or anything. You got to get your thirty flying hours. Yeah. So they say you won't get good at stand up until you've done thirty hours on stage. Yeah. And then you'll probably be the best. The best, best ever was. Seinfeld's done thirty hours. Has yep. he? Yeah. Chris Rock's done thirty hours. God. How long do you reckon you've done? <sighs> I reckon. 15, 
15, 16 seconds. Are yeah, you... it's probably about right. So yeah. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on my way. I'm on the journey. Oh, oh, of course. Yeah, but, you know, you'll get there. I stepped on once, mm-hmm. uh, immediately stepped back off. Yep. And then another time um, I was trying to go to the bathroom. Yep. And I didn't realise I'd crossed the stage and uh, so then I had to cross back. And that all added up to 16 seconds, I think. Yeah, great. You looked down at the stopwatch and you went, thank God for yeah, that. Yeah, thank God for that. Mm. I'm, on my, I'm on the Oh, way. yeah, accidentally walked across the stage that yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, whoopsie. Yeah, I see. I know your ploy. <laughs> Seinfeld was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big stage too. Yeah. I yeah. said, sorry, Jer. <laughs> I can't call him Jer. Do sorry, you? <laughs> How did he respond to you calling him Jer? Um, he, he sort of... Uh, he just had a look at me like, I respect you because we're both comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're the only people he really cares about. Was this look um, as three or four large security guards whisked yeah. you away? Yeah, I knew, I knew he'd only send them if uh, he felt he was connections. Yeah. Oh, yeah, connection. Threatened by... A threatening connection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> threatened by how good you are exactly. at comedy. Exactly. He was like, oh, no. Dave, could you edit out? <laughs> <laughs> so he got cocky early on. And drove through, I say drove, flew through a storm against a more experienced pilot's advice and realised when he got to the other side that he was lucky to make it and vowed to never do that again. Okay. Unless specifically ordered, of course. He was prepared to do anything. Yeah. In 1916, Bolker, the legendary pilot I mentioned before, one of the first ever fighter pilots, was putting together his own squadron called the Yasta 2 and he selected Richtofen to join. Oh, cool. Mm. So not a great start, but he impressed people early on, so he got a shot. He had a good attitude. Did he show some moxie, maybe? Yeah. Well, I mean, his attitude was, why do more than the bare minimum? (laughs) No, that was when he was a kid. No, he was, yeah, he was prepared to uh, put it all on the line. Bolker was such a legend in the world of military piloting that it could be said he wrote the book on it. Wow. Because he did. Okay. He wrote a book on fundamental aerial manoeuvres of aerial combat called the Dicta Bolka. Huh. There are eight fundamental rules, and these helped Manfred von Richthofen become the greatest pilot of his day. These are the rules. Try to secure advantages before attacking. If possible, keep the sun behind you. This puts the glare of the sun in the enemy's eyes and makes it difficult to see you and impossible for him to shoot with any accuracy. Make yeah, sense? okay, that makes sense. Always carry through an attack when you've started it. Okay. Fire only at close range and only when your opponent is properly in your sights. Yeah. Always keep an eye on your opponent and never let yourself be deceived by ruses. Oh, yeah, oh. don't fall for ruses. If you, I mean, if you see a ruse and you're just like, oh, I'm going to fall for this one, yeah. you're a fool. Oh, don't that's, oh, fall that's a good-looking ruse over there. <laughs> Might go investigate that ruse. <laughs> yeah. what's, that, what's that behind that ruse? <laughs> Better check it out. Uh, number five, in any form of attack, it is essential to assail your enemy from behind. I imagine back then it was difficult to shoot backwards, so yeah. that's why. From behind, sun's behind you. You're, you're like, they keep like moving. You're like, Cut, mate, you really need to stay in this straight yeah, line here. I need the sun behind me. I need you in front, please. Come on. How am I going to shoot you otherwise? Ugh, so rude. Selfish and rude. That's even worse. This is a double whammy. This one sounds risky to me, but if your opponent dives on you, do not try to evade his onslaught, but fly to meet it. Ah. So play chicken. Yeah. Uh, When over the enemy's lines, never forget your own line of retreat. A big problem back then is you'd get over enemy's lines and your engine would fail or you'd get shot down and then, you know, 
you get captured. Yeah. So watch out for that. And finally, for the squadron, attack on principle in groups of four or six. When the fight breaks up into a series of single combats, take care that several do not go for the same opponent. So man up. One on one. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Now, many of Balker's concepts conceived in 1916 are still applicable today, including the use of sun and altitude, surprise attacks, and turning to meet a threat. Oh, wow. People are still taught that over 100 years later. Amazing. Wow. Huh. Uh, Richt often employed the listed tactics, and his first confirmed downing of an enemy aircraft happened on September 17th, 1916. His autobiography states... Quote, I honoured the fallen enemy by placing a stone on his beautiful grave. The ultimate tribute. Beautiful. Stone. <laughs> it was in his, in his shoe, making him quite uncomfortable so he just, while he was passing the grave. He just emptied it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Beautiful tribute. Beautiful tribute to a beautiful grave. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful grave. To celebrate his first victory, Richthofen ordered a silver cup engraved with the date and the type of enemy plane a tradition he maintained throughout most of his career. He's kept silver cups of all of his his wins. And he had to keep uh, expanding the trophy captain. Wow. Because now a flying ace is a distinguished title given to a military aviator credited with shooting down five or more enemy aircraft during aerial combat. So you get five, you're referred to as an ace for life. Wow. Five doesn't seem like that much over the course of hopefully a long career. I mean, I haven't done it, so I'm not saying it's not impressive. Because that shows how, how hard it is to do. Yeah. yeah, so that's sort of the scale we're working on here. Five people go, oh, shit, you're pretty, yeah, you're really wow. good. You're like in the top percentile type thing. And I say the Baron kept up his tradition of getting an engraved silver cup for most of his victories. He did so until his 60th victory. Wow. When the war limited the availability of silver in Germany. So he ran out of silver for his cups. Whoa. Yeah, so five's good. Five's really impressive. Yeah, six, he got to 60 and went, I, okay, and they went, mate, we can't keep giving you these silver cups. Wow. That's yeah. nuts. His most famous scalp came early on when, on the 23rd of November 1916, the Baron shot down British ace Major Lano Hawker VC. The Baron described him as the Balker of the Brits. Yeah, wow. So he's like, you know, his hero. And a VC. It's his version, yeah, and a Victoria Cross recipient. And he shot him down pretty early on. Wow. Probably a sign of pretty good things to come for uh, the Baron. Sadly, he also saw Balker, his own hero, shot down soon after that. Balker was credited with 40 victories, which was incredible. thought of as incredible yeah. at the time. So maybe use that for a bit of a scale. The man considered one of the godfathers of this whole thing had 40 victories. Right. And I've already mentioned that he's going to get to at least 60. Wow. Uh, Richthofen received the Pour Le Marite in January 1917, which is a, a, a medal, after the his 16th confirmed kill. That's the highest military honour in Germany at the time and informally known as the Blue Max. Oh, the Blue Max. So he got that qu- pretty, pretty early on. He also assumed command of... Juster 11, which ultimately included some of the elite German pilots, many of whom he trained himself, several of whom later became leaders of their own squadrons. His younger brother, Lothar, was also a member. So his brother was also very, very good. Yeah, wow. It was also during this time that Richthofen took the step of painting his albatross plane bright red. He later wrote, quote, It occurred to me to have my packing case painted all over in starring red. The result was that everyone got to know my red bird. My opponents also seem to have heard of the colour transformation. Oh. 
So it's like a psych out almost. Yeah, because it's kind of like counterintuitive. If you think about it, like most of the time, like even that flying from the sun, you want to do a surprise attack, and now he's right, right. cockily <laughs> painted mm. his yeah, plane the most obvious colour. It's a bit of an arrogance thing, isn't it? Not an arrogance. It's like, yeah, Matt's right. It's a psych out thing. Like, come at me. You can easily identify me. I'm not scared. Yeah. So that yeah, that would only make his his uh, the myth around him bigger. Mm. It would embiggen it. It would embiggen the myth. Mm. Would you not agree, Dave? That it would embiggen. I believe a noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. Yeah, that, that applies here. <laughs> Cromulent. Uh, from then on, he almost always flew a red plane of some sort, including the celebrated Fokker triplane. <laughs> Which was a distinctive three-winged aircraft with which he's most commonly associated. Jeez, that takes me back to '93. Three wings. Mm. Why? Three layers. I see. Okay, I was imagining two on one side, one on the oh, other. Oh no! So it's from the front. Three layers. Three makes horizontally. Sense. Yes. In his book, he writes of a battle, and it's almost like he knew he'd made it when this happened. He'd just shot down an English plane. He said. I had the impression that my opponent was wounded, for he did not fire a single shot. When I'd got down to an altitude of about 1,500 feet, engine trouble compelled me to land without making any curves. The result was very comical. My enemy with his burning machine landed smoothly, while I, his victor, came down next to him in barbed wire of our trenches and my machine overturned. So he just crashed next to him. (laughs) The two Englishmen, who were not a little surprised at my collapse, greeted me like sportsmen. As mentioned before, they had not fired a shot, and they could not understand why I had landed so clumsily. They were the first two Englishmen who I had brought down alive. Consequently, it gave me particular pleasure to talk to them. I asked them whether they had previously seen my machine in the air, and one of them replied, Oh yes, I know your machine very well. We call it Le Petit Rouge, or the Little Red. Mm. So he just shot down this guy and then went over, mate, how are you? How's it going? Hey, you ever seen my plane before? And the guy's like, oh, yes, good sport. Yes, well done. Well done, sir. Wow. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, growing, getting bigger, it all means the same thing. Squarespace (laughs) makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And if you're worried about like, well, I don't know how to write stuff for a website to make myself look good, well, you can get help with the written content for your website with Squarespace AI. You can generate instant personalized results that highlight your brand identity you can explain what your site's about choose your tone enter what you need and bang you got some short and long form text baby so squarespace ai makes it easy to go live stand out and succeed online i'm so glad you had that bit because i thought it was pronounced squarespace ai (laughs) (laughs) anyway sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses 
or sell files your customers can download. I don't know if I'm hitting all these words as <laughs> intended, like PDFs, musics, or ebooks. I would love to buy Matt's ebook. I'd like to buy Matt's course, and you you can do that. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Be more like Matt. Oh, one hundred and one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How many? One, does it go to one hundred and two? It goes all the way to one hundred and two. <laughs> wow. You can customize everything with next generation editing technology. You can create engaging lessons your audience will love, and then set the price. You can charge a one time fee or sell subscriptions. Matt, how much is it to be more like Matt one hundred and one? Oh, three mil. Wow. Wow. Like per month or? Yeah, USD. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com slash do go on. Hey everyone, just Dave here letting you know that this week's episode is brought to you by our friends at ExpressVPN. Now you know what's not fair? The fact that Netflix hides thousands of shows from you based on your location and then has the nerve to increase their prices on you. That's right, starting at the end of this month, they're raising prices once again. Now, you could just cancel your subscription in protest, or you could be smart about it and make sure you're getting your full money's worth by using ExpressVPN, like I do. See, the trick here is you might know that what's on Netflix in your country is completely different from what someone in the UK or Japan or Thailand has on theirs. But using ExpressVPN, I can control which country I want Netflix to think I'm in. ExpressVPN has over 90 countries to choose from, so every time I run out of stuff to watch, I just switch to another country, and bang, I unlock new shows and movies. So for right now, I'm trying to watch all of Jason Statham's movies, and um, I really wanted to watch The Meg. But guess what? It's not on Australia's Netflix. But with just one tap of a button, ExpressVPN let me change my location to Thailand, and Bob's your uncle, I'm watching The Meg. The best part is it's not just Netflix, you can use it for a whole range of streaming services, including BBC iPlayer which is free and usually only available to people in the UK. So be smart, stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth now at expressvpn.com slash do go on. Don't forget to use my link so you can get three months extra for free by going to expressvpn.com slash do go on. One more time, expressvpn.com slash do go on to learn more and get three months extra for free. All right. Back to the Red Baron. With Rick Tofton at the helm and his powers in full flight, the Yastra 11 Squadron achieved unparalleled success in the skies. This peaked during April 1917. In that month alone, the Red Baron single-handedly downed 22 British aircraft, including four in a single day, raising his own tally to 52. Wow. So 22 in a month. That's nuts. And as I said before, five is pretty impressive. Yeah. Isn't that a, doesn't that show how how silly it all is? Obviously, war is very silly, but that it's like these people have no problem with each other, but they they're just going about trying to kill each other. Yeah, and that's, he's like they're the first ones I've brought down alive. Yeah, yeah, crazy. So it was it was quite interesting to have, a, have actually be able to speak to them rather than just put a stone on their grave. Tragically for the British at this time, their training was inferior to begin with and they were losing so many men to replace the fallen. They had to keep training to a minimum and would often send out pilots well before they were ready. And, of course, the less experienced pilots were more likely to get taken out and it quickly became a vicious cycle where it's like, great, eight hours training, you know how to turn that thing on, get out there. And then suddenly... Go to Madison Square Garden. (laughs) You're not ready. You're not ready. (laughs) You've, like, 
just started flying and suddenly you've got the Red Baron behind you, you're going, yeah. oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden his numbers aren't that impressive. Yep. Yeah. He's shooting down <laughs> children who've just, you know, In learned to walk. Planes, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of uh, any, if I've ever done 22 of anything in a month. Maybe uh, lived through days. Okay. 20, well, 22. I've done 22 in a month. Meals. Okay. In a month. Easily, yes. Including four in one day. Sleeps. Sleeps. That's not that. Nah. That's, that's impossible. Not, yeah. Sorry. <coughs> Stupid. I hate myself. <laughs> You're just a liar. I'm a liar. Stop fibbing. Mm. What do you got, buddy Fibonacci over here? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, Matt. I just have to ask Dave a question on your behalf. Thank you. Dave, could you edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> well, I left it in when I accidentally said um, Archimedes. Well, Fibonacci instead of Archimedes. So I'll yeah. never forget the tone with which you <laughs> yelled, fuck. <laughs> I was in the bathroom. She was like, oh, no. (laughs) According to history.com, unlike many of World War I's top pilots who prided themselves on white-knuckle aerobatics, Richthofen was a very conservative and calculating tactician. Preferring to avoid unnecessary risks, he typically fought in formation and relied on the aid of his wingmen to ambush his enemies by diving at them from above. So rather than taking crazy risks, some of them are a bit like, oh, I'll go out there and do a few flips, we'll be right. This is more of your Steve War than your Mark War. Yes. Perfect analogy. Absolutely. That everybody understands, especially yeah, in this room. So you're given the captaincy, but he won't do much commentating later. <laughs> uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Big time. Big time. Oh, yeah. I'm following. Walking in with the bowl up. <laughs> uh, Not that risky of a batsman. Yeah. More of a, he's the ice man, gets the most out of himself, makes the slog sweep famous. That's right. He's got that little red hanky for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone's on board now. Yeah, yeah. we're all good. We to... Yes. He also released a photography book recently, so there's something. Mm. Yeah. Through, in his travels through India. Yeah. What a guy. <laughs> yeah. That was, I watched the documentary about it. It's good stuff. I I grew up a Mark War guy, but I reckon as I get older, I've flipped. I'm now a, a Steve War. Wow. Even though have I told you the time that Steve War um, <laughs> told me to piss off? <laughs> no. I love this. I was it was at the Australian Open and the tennis, and he was, you know, there's all these different things going on, the outside courts. I just had an outside pass. It would have been 14 or 15 or something. And I think he was the captain at the time, um, maybe, the Australian cricket captain at the time. And he was giving away, he had some sunglasses deal and he's giving away sunglasses and the crowd sort of dispersed. He's run out of sunnies. I go up to him and go, can I have a pair of sunnies? (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, nah, sorry, mate, we're all out. And he's talking to his handler or whatever. And I go, what about those ones on your head? (laughs) And he said, piss off, idiot. (laughs) Piss off, idiot. Yeah, I think it was piss off, idiot, I'm pretty sure. It was piss off something. Piss off, mate, or something like that. Yeah. And you like him better because Mark Hall later told you to fuck off, idiot. <laughs> and you went, I'm a Steve Hall man. <laughs> Piss, off. Piss off, idiot. Piss I mean, off, you mate. did deserve it. No, 100%. I no, looked at back and like, yeah, fair enough. But I surely, was being a Surely you'd be like, little t- teen kid, that's pretty. That's a pretty good quip. Yeah. <laughs> Piss off, idiot. 
Oh, it was a great moment. He's Fuck rep- off, you little asshole. He's I rep- hate you. Representing that sunglasses brand. <laughs> Piss off, idiot. That's so funny. He's had a bad day. He would know, but he said it. He looked at his hand or like the cheek of this guy. He yeah. laughed and he goes, Piss off, idiot. Yeah. You know? It wasn't like with hate or anything. Well, that's what we tell ourselves, isn't it, Matty? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. He thought I was incredibly funny and charming. I mean, oh, no, I don't. I think he was just like <laughs> laughing at the cheek like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kids yeah. of today sort of thing. He hated you. He hated me. <laughs> Still probably. He knows probably you. Oh, he knows that. you all right. <laughs> He looks you up on Facebook he every now and He thinks about then. this as much as I do. Says, Once every kid. now and again when his name comes up. <laughs> Piss off, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> the Red Baron was given command of the combined fighter squadrons number 4, 6, 10 and 11. This new super unit was highly mobile and could move at short notice to different parts of the fronts as required. They became frequently known as the Flying Circus. Oh. Due to the unit's brightly coloured aircraft and its mobility, including the use of tents, trains and caravans where appropriate. Is that where the term Flying Circus comes from? Like, I've, as in Monty Pythons? I'm thinking so. Yeah, right. There you go. Actually, in this report, yeah, referencing a few previous topics here. Although Richtofen was now performing the duties of a lieutenant colonel, which is a wing commander in modern Royal Air Force terms, he was never promoted past the relatively junior rank of Rittmeister, equivalent to captain in the British Army. It's the Rittmeister. (laughs) (laughs) What a fun title. Well, while we're talking about his rank and title, Richtofen was friar, literally free lord, a title of nobility often translated as baron. Okay. During his lifetime, he was more frequently described in Germany as de Rotter Kampflieger, variously translated as the Red Battle Flyer or the Red Fighter Pilot. Oh, I really wish it was the whatever I said at the start. Sticky Bandit. The Red Bandit. <laughs> Red Bandit, thank you. This name was used as the title of Richthofen's 1917 autobiography. Okay. He probably wrote it himself, but it was highly edited and censored by the German government, who used it as propaganda to be like, check out this war hero story. You should sign up and fight. Right. Yeah, right. Took out all the bits where he's like, I was so lonely up there. <laughs> <laughs> I was really scared. I watched a lot of my friends die. It was terrifying. Take that out. Take that out. They left in the bit where he was flying along and just had a wank in the middle of the front. Yeah, because, I mean, everybody reading that's like, finally, a private place to yeah, wank. That's right. <laughs> this war's really taken away my ability to wank privately. <laughs> that's why we're fighting, right? I have to share a room with my 14 siblings. I just want to wank. I just want to wank. I'm, I'm enlisting. Of, sick of all this trench wank fear. <laughs> Let's take to the skies. The Baron himself became a beloved propaganda symbol in Germany where he was lavished with military decorations and featured in numerous news articles and on postcards, further increasing his fame and reputation. But he is now commonly referred to as the Red Baron all over the world. I like the idea of being on a postcard, really, just boosting your fame. I'll take you to the next level. Or being on... uh, You could buy a 10-pack of me at the post office... You know? Yeah. yeah. Pick it up. Write a message on one side. Yep. Picture of me on the other. Put me on your fridge. You bloody beaut. In his own diaries, the aviator referred to himself as the Rotkampflager, the red fighter pilot. But he was also known as Le Petit Rouge and the Red Knight. I like in his own diary. <laughs> yeah. Not just, I would, if I had a diary, it would be like, today I went yes. to the shops. He's writing, today 
Das Lugan Flugan <laughs> Fighten Rugan went to the shops. Yeah, and did I, I might have mispronounced some of that. No, you were closer than I was probably. I think you sounded a bit more like the Swedish chef. Yeah, I did. I, it's hard. It's hard to know if you can um, be offensive to German war <laughs> people in, mm. in World War Germans in the World Wars. They weren't pure evil in the first, though, were they? That was only really in the second. Yeah, the, the scale. Just a, a, a country on the other side. It wasn't. I mean, I should look into it probably before making such statements. Right. Are you asking me to do a history of World War One? Thank report? you. <laughs> I mean, can I put it any more clearly? And then, Dave, if you could follow it up with a World War Two as well, that would be ideal. Fantastic. Even more complicated. Genuinely, no. would love a podcast, Dave, by you, to us in the room about World War One and World War Two. That's all. If it takes you a few weeks, that's fine. Yeah, oh, you'd like we, a few weeks off, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. If Because otherwise it's like it's split up and it's yeah. over several months and we'd forget stuff. So it would make sense for it to be consecutive. Yes. Okay. So yes, please. Please. Please, Dave. Each episode, so you do like each episode's a year, 1914, 1915, 1916, yeah. 1917, 1918. There you go. Hey. And then uh, two weeks off and then we're straight to World War Two. Yeah, yeah. Two weeks off, but obviously it's two weeks off for all of us. It would be weird for, like, Matt to do some sort of biography in between yeah. the wor- the wars. So we'll all have a break and then back we come. Or maybe in those two weeks you just do a couple of reports about the years in between. Yeah. All right. Like the Great years. Depression. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Something fun and light and then back into war. Yeah. Back, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. everyone needs, like, a little, a little reset. Totally. Mm. Well, I always want to get one final name that he's been called is the Ace of Aces. Oh, that's good. Which is yeah. such a badass name. Yeah. Ah, I would have started. Uh, the, you, ha- you were right early. That's a bad name. Uh, the Ace of Aces. That's not good. You don't think so? That's no. such a cool. That's a cool title. The Ace of Base. That's a cool band name. Yeah, yeah that's. But true. the Ace of like you're arming Ace with Ace. The Ace ate my face. Ace the a- the Ace of Faces. Yeah, I'm in. No, no, no. Does I that, said ace ate my face. Ace ate my faces. <laughs> does, does it have to rhyme for something to be cool? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, d- I don't even know who you, who you are. <laughs> well, they call me the ace of aces. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> it's yeah, cool. Ace of aces. Because, okay. Yeah, it's very cool. Because he's the best. Because uh, do you think being, the best called, of the being best. called an, a, a fighter pilot ace or an ace fighter pilot. Yeah, that's very That's cool? That's yeah, cool. but he's Thank the God. ace of the aces. I thought I'd lost it because I thought that was cool. You have lost it. The ace of aces. You know, the, the Melbourne baseball team's called the aces and they've all got to have killed five people. <laughs> Before they can <laughs> On the, the field? Team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it gets really bloody. Wow. We do baseball a little different here. <laughs> <laughs> the Baron endured numerous close calls during his uh, flying career. Having to crash land a couple of times, but he suffered his first serious war wound on July 6, 1917, when he sustained a fractured skull after being grazed by a bullet during a dogfight with a British aircraft. Wow. Well, they call them dogfights, by the way, when they go man on man, plane on plane. It's a dogfight. Plano, plano, airplano. Because that's how dogs fight in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Shooting guns at each other in between (laughs) their spinning propellers. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Dogfight. As I understand them, never had a dog, but that's how I picture they'd fight. Oh, yeah, big time. 
We have to go to the park, take his plane. Yeah, here we go. Help him take <laughs> off and then just sit back and watch as yeah, he fights other dogs. <laughs> tearful goodbye. Hopefully he so, survives again. Good but. luck, Goose. <laughs> you are four months old. It's oh, time Goose you... is, Isn't Goose one of the names of one of the yes. fighters in that movie? Yeah, everyone's like, oh, you're going to get another dog named at Maverick? I'm like, no. no oh, I'm people sick said... of these dog fights already. Yeah. I'm sick of watching my little dog go off to war <laughs> every day at the park. I could take him to a different park, but this right. one's convenient. Yeah. So he was shot, well, kind of shot, grazed, but it right. fractured his skull. He was able to regain consciousness in time to make a forced landing, but he was then hospitalised. And this is one of the few times he wasn't flying an all-red plane. Is that any relation to being shot down, um, I ask you? I don't know, but I'm thinking yes. Probably yes. He was grounded for 40 days. He required multiple operations, and to be honest, he never quite recovered. Some historians have since speculated that he may have been suffering from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, or th- and he also suffered from headaches and nausea. But despite this, he insisted on flying again. Mm. He had become a legend in Germany, and it was feared that his death would be a big blow to the morale of the German people, so he was kind of encouraged to retire on top. But he refused a ground job after his crash, and uh, despite the injuries, he stated... Every poor fellow in the trenches must do his duty. So he's like, oh, I got to as well. Hmm. So therefore, he continued to fly in combat. It does not sound like he was doing very well. This is what he wrote of the time. This is his diary. He doesn't refer to himself in third person. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointing. He says, I feel terrible after every air battle, probably an after effect of my head wound. When I again set foot on the ground, I withdraw to my quarters and don't see anybody or hear anything. I think of the war as it really is, not with a hurrah and a roar as the people at home imagine it. It is much more serious, bitter. That's the kind of stuff that the the German government would be like, all right, there's a red pen through that section. The war is sick. I love it. I wish wars went forever. So he, and he's only really started to feel like this since he got shot or? Yeah. Well, people. It's taking the fun out of it a bit for him. Historians have really, if you look through his diaries, it's like, wow, he's really changing tone now. Now that it's not just him killing people. Yeah. In 1937, Richthofen's mother, the Baroness von Richthofen, published, I'm going to have a crack here, Mein Krieg Stagbudge, My War Diary, a vivid vivid memoir of her war years. PBS published in the excerpt of her diary that I'll link to, it recalled the last time her now-famous son visited the family home. And it reminds you of the horrors of war. This is him returning home, a changed man. She writes, Together we inspected the pictures that Manfred had brought along from the front. A very fine photo showed a group of uh, young flying officers, his comrades from the first action he saw in Russia. In the centre below them was Manfred. I looked at the picture of all the laughing young men and was pleased with it. What has become of him? I pointed to the first. Fallen. I indicated the second. Also dead. And his voice sounded harsh. Ask no further. They're all dead. This is back in her own words. All dead, except Manfred. As if he read my thoughts from my forehead, he said, You won't need to worry. In the air, I have nothing to fear. Not in the air. We can cope with them, even if there are many more, meaning the enemy. Mm. But imagine that point of the photo being like, He's dead. He's He's gone. And then... He's, she's looking at her son, like, recovering from a horrific injury, b- yeah. being quite worried about him. Yeah, understandably. Yeah, brutal. Yeah, it is funny that he's obviously not connected the people he's killing with being real people. Yeah. Uh, and then, but the people on his side is, is really bumming him he's out. He's like, that sucks. I guess you can't. <laughs> you obviously wouldn't be able to be like, 
I really need to look into this person. I want to know about their yeah. wife and kids. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Waiting at home, probably going to be devastated now that Jesus. I've shot their father down. Yeah. I think he, he's kind of got the attitude, uh, until this point anyway, of like, you know, knights like dueling with each other. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you're doing it for the glory of the nation. Yeah. And, you know, and he's like, I'm prepared to die. They're prepared to die. We're both being like these va- brave men with lots of valor. But as the war's gone on, he's sort of opened up his eyes a bit to be like, oh, actually, this is pretty, pretty bleak. Yeah. yeah. Later, he had to see a dentist during this visit and his mother heard him say, actually, there's really no point in it anymore. Like... Why am I bothering to see the dentist? Yeah. That's, uh, that's grim. Well, despite his injuries and changed outlook after this horrific crash, astonishingly, the Baron managed another 23 victories. Far out. Which even if he did just that would be an incredible record. Mm. But sadly, all good things must come to an end. Oh, no. He didn't lose his wisdom teeth. <laughs> oh, no. Not his whizzies. I'd, I'd give anything to have my whizzies back. Oh, miss them every day. I kept mine in a jar. Kiss them goodnight. Night-night, whizzies. Night-night. <laughs> shake them up a little bit. Sometimes I forget that I don't have them there and I try and chew with the back of my mouth. Can't do it. Solely. Phantom. Phantom whizzies. Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> Sometimes I try to draw any kind of wisdom. Oh. I can't. Right from the back. They sucked them from you. God. I'm dumb. <laughs> I'm dumb now. <laughs> they didn't tell me it happened. <laughs> I thought they just called the wisdom teeth. For some fun reason. Every time they take one out, they get a little smarter. And we get a little dumber. And I get a little dumber. You look over at the dentist and his mouth has got 57 teeth. He's got 500 wisdom teeth. I found out recently Uh, I have too few teeth. I don't have enough teeth. Oh. You need a donor? What do you mean you don't have enough? I've only got 24 teeth. It's not that many teeth. Uh, You only have 24 teeth? Yeah. And what are you meant to have? 26? No, it's like... 32 or something, I think, is... Yeah, right. Normal adult mouth has 32 teeth. Yeah, I've got 24. Is it normal to have 24 teeth? It says, people also ask. Yeah, and it says that by the age of eight, you have about 24 teeth. So I've got the same amount of teeth as an eight-year-old. Which ones do you reckon you're missing? Molars? I'm missing... I had six teeth taken out before I had braces, but they weren't all adult teeth. And then I have had my wisdom teeth out. So even if, like, two of them were adult teeth, I'm missing six teeth, that sort of adds up, you know? Wow. But, yeah, it was a it was a day that rattled me, let me tell you. I think I've got 28. I just tried to count, count them with my yeah. tongue. And, that, and four have been taken out. Yeah, so, so. that's about right. Yeah, right. Look at you, you little perfect mouth. Well. Congrats on that perfect mouth. Well, I, less. I've less, long less suspected that under that beard was a perfect mouth. Oh, my God. I just counted. 69 teeth. <laughs> nice. nice. Thank you. I'm sorry, Dave. All good things must come to oh, an yeah, end. Oh, yeah, sorry. All good things must come to an end. Well, hopefully the <laughs> Baron's family isn't listening, hoping for good news. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, just get to From the front. What happened? Oh, no. Stop talking about your fucking teeth. <laughs> it's our son out there. On April 21st, 1918, Richthofen flew off with nine other planes from the airfield at Cappy, France. Soon the German flyers were in combat with a squadron of RAF Sopwith Camels, led by Canadian pilot Arthur Roy Brown. At some point during his battle, the Red Baron was pursuing a plane piloted by a novice Canadian pilot named Wilfred Wop May, who would later go on to help search for the mad trapper of Rat River 
Whoa. I mentioned him in that report. Wow. Wow, what a life. He was the last person pursued. And also, he was a novice pilot. So, he's one Lucky. of those people where you look back and go, oh, fuck, it's the Red Baron. Yeah. Oh, fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, shit, shit. <laughs> oh, fuck, 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 fuck. Oh, no, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Eject a seat. Not invented yet. Oh, shit. So, the Red Baron's chasing what may who had reportedly been on the tail of the Red Baron's cousin, who had just joined the squad. So the Red Baron sees his cousin being attacked and goes, I've got to help him out. No, fuck you. No, fuck you. I'm the Red (laughs) fucking Baron. He flew uncharacteristically low and into enemy territory. So he really followed Uh, what may. And this is against one of his own rules and his own usual tactics. According to the University of Kansas... The Red Baron himself was chased away by seasoned Canadian pilot Captain Arthur Brown, who would dive steeply and fired at him before climbing to avoid crashing into the ground. The Baron resumed his pursuit of May, but shortly, facing concentrated fire from Australian troops on the ground, he made a rough landing in a field near the Somme River. The soldiers who had fired on his plane from the ground got to his wrecked Fokker triplane and may or may not have heard his last words, which allegedly included the word... Kaput, meaning defeated or destroyed. Ah. Rumoured to be one of the last things he said. He said his name in the third person, and then he said kaput. (laughs) He had been struck by a single bullet in the chest, and despite his injuries, he was able to crash land before dying. So he crashed, he still landed the plane. Pretty good. The plane was not badly damaged by the landing, but it was soon taken apart by souvenir hunters. They all recognise it as a very famous plane. And the big question is, well, who actually shot him down? Well, let me just tell you, over a century later, people are still debating it. Wow, it's a mystery. The RAF credited Brown with shooting down the Red Baron, that's the Canadian pilot, but it is now generally agreed that the bullet which hit Richthofen was fired from the ground. There were many Australian soldiers on the ground firing at the plane because it was at such low altitude. And some contend that the entry and exit points of the bullet would indicate that the fatal shot came from a, from an Australian machine gun unit. Wow. And the people who suggest that are... Aussies. Australian. Yeah. <laughs> clinging on to Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. <laughs> well, even the trusted source that is Encyclopedia Britannica writes, quote, he was killed in his red fucker triplane when caught in a barrage of Australian enemy ground fire during a battle. Mm. And if it's good enough for Britannica, it's good enough for this guy. Okay. It's so weird how we will cling on to any reference to Australia because when it was like Australian soldiers, I was like, ooh. I know. Honestly, me too. I was like, that's quite interesting. That's us. That's us. We Australian. Wow. We're involved. (laughs) Yeah. We've got such a complex because we're so far away from everything and such a like a relatively young country in terms of white Australia. So it's always like, we were there? Cool. Yeah, and also like so few people and, you know, to be honest, relevance on a world stage. Yeah. That you go, wow. We, we did- shot down the Red Baron? Wow, per capita, we did pretty good at this Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> per so capita, sad. we did pretty well at shooting down this Red yeah, Baron. all right. Pretty good. Let's take that win, everybody. Honestly, though, it is so contested. If you Google Red Baron, which I did to this day, most of the articles that come up are titled, Who Really Shot the Red Baron? Or, We Finally Know Who Shot the- Down the Red Baron. There's so many historians... Who are, yeah, are so big on this. Just to go back a sec there, Dave, did you say you Googled the Red Baron? Yes, I did. 
Just to make sure he wasn't cancelled. Okay. Now I have to get through his background a little bit, you yeah. know? I don't want to get on here, speak for an hour about someone and people and tweet. like, um, actually, oh my do you God. know? Yeah. Shit, do you know what he did? He shut down many people, which I'll reveal the final tally in just yes. a second. Uh, but despite his plane being pulled apart for souvenirs, his body was treated with respect. Allied troops recovered it and buried him with full military honours. So they held like a full service, had the 12-gun shot salute, all that stuff, because he was such a respected enemy. Which, according to some diaries in the Australian War Museum, which I'll also link to, the Aussies that were there that day, it did not go that down that well with everyone on the ground. Some people are a bit like, why are we honouring him like this? I I only want to honour him if we know that our soldiers are being honoured like this on the other side. Oh, okay. We don't think they are. All right. Uh, The Red Baron was just 25 years old Whoa. when he died. I don't, I'm picturing a middle-aged man with a moustache. I was thinking I mean, before, a I was like... a 25-year-old could have a moustache. Yeah, yes. well, I mean, Dave couldn't have, but... Um, <laughs> That's right. I've only come to my own in the last year or so. Other 25-year-olds might have been able to grow facial hair. That's nuts. He was 25. And this is this blew my mind as well. It was just 19 months between his first victory and his last. No way. And in that time? And in that time... And also his last victory came just one day before he died. So it was prolific right up until the end. Incredible. In those short 19 months, he had 80 confirmed aerial victories. 80? 80. 80. Thank God it's not like 82. Bang 81. on 80. Bang on 80. Which proved to be the most of any pilot on either side of World War One. So he really was the ace of aces. Oh, Dave. <laughs> Stop trying to make ace of aces work. Come on. It's not a thing. It'll never not be a thing. thing. It's not going to catch on. It's not going to happen. What, 80? 80. The closest was a French guy got 75. Fucking hell. That's still... Which is amazing. Honestly, yeah, but like... I mean, that's very close. But 80 is like... Fun. And, and in 19 months as well. Yeah, such a short period of and time. He's 25 years old. And before that, you know, he didn't really fly. He just learned to fly and then became the best up there. It's amazing. 25. Wow. That is hectic. So he died quite young, obviously. As head of his own squadron, he had to be replaced, and he was re- succeeded by fellow ace Hermann Goring, who would survive the war to become famous in World War II as Hitler's right-hand man oh. and was one of the most powerful people in Nazi Germany. I've never heard of him, I don't Hermann think. Hermann Goring? Yeah, that name vaguely rang a bell, and that, okay, that makes sense. Wow. Very famous for uh, stealing a lot of Jewish artwork and amassing, like it became a, an obsession of him to have, have his own, right. you know, th- hundreds of millions of dollars worth of, of paintings and jewelries and jewelry and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah, but so he was also a, a great ace in the World War One, but he survived and then would go on to be an extremely uh, powerful person in Nazi Germany. Uh, the Red Baron's younger brother, Lothar von Richthofen, also became an ace and had 40 kills to his name. Wow. So still incredible. And he survived the war. He continued to fly after the war, however, and sadly died in a crash in 1922 at the age of 27. Wow, so, so young. Yeah, right. And the Red Baron has been depicted in popular culture all over the place. His legend has just grown and grown, and he's been in film and movies. Snoopy on Peanuts frequently imagined being a World War One fighter pilot, and the Red Baron was his opponent. Um, sure, <laughs> including in the in the most recent Peanuts movie, so it's still a recurring motive. <laughs> but of course, Matt, the big question is. What about band names? Well, I'm glad you asked because I have found on Spotify there's a lot, but um, uh, with different spellings. There's one with two R's in Baron, 
Oh, there's actually two with two R's in Baron. There's the Red Baron. There's Red Baron. There's another the Red Baron. Action and the Red Baron. Red Baron band. But the only one on Wikipedia.org. Oh yes. Is the Red Baron band, and they were an American Christian and straight edge band where they primarily played a hardcore punk style of music. They're from West Pe- uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, performing between 04 and 09. So I don't think they were particularly successful, but successful enough to get an Orge page. Orge. Well, I also discovered one, and that was Spanish heavy metal band that achieved international success in the 1980s, Baron Royo, which is... Royo is red in Spanish. Okay. In 2017, they were ranked number 18 on Rolling Stone's 50 greatest Spanish rock bands. Okay, well, there you go. They're probably the one then. But it's um, he's... The Red Baron has inf- uh, inspired so many bands that have not gone on to do great things, but a lot of <laughs> a lot of bands, and some of them are probably good. I haven't listened to. So any if you're just them. going quantity over quality, yeah, he's had a lot of kills again. Yeah. yeah, fucking hell, he's good. He can't be stopped. Cannot be stopped mm. even after death. Wow, that's really interesting, Dave. I knew none of that, none at all. I must say, I knew there was some Aussie connection with what happened. You know, people claiming. What happened with when he was shot down? But I really didn't know anything about him either, and it just it blew my mind that he was only active for so few months, and he was so uh, prolific. prolific. And that five is considered an ace, and he had eighty. Yeah, like they just, I mean, they just had to come up with that title, Ace of Aces, because they, you know, they were, oh, we didn't really expect yeah. this. And there's some. It's just a. It is a cool nickname as well. That's got to be a big part of it. And having yeah. a red plane, those are the kinds of things that'll yeah. keep someone going in the. In the consciousness or whatever, the public consciousness. Yeah, in the history books. Yeah. Nice work, Dave. Great report. Well, that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show, I believe the fact, quote, or question section, which has a jingle which goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Baron. Always remembers the Baron. <laughs> and uh, the way to get involved in this is you go to patreon.com slash do go on pod or do go on pod.com. And you can support us on the Sydney Schoenberg Lux Memorial Edition package level, rest in peace. And on this level, there's heaps of different levels. Some of them you get bonus episodes. Some of them you get voting rights on topics. Dave, was this a, this was a, a private choice? This was a personal choice by myself. But next week's uh, we'll, Jess will uh, have chosen via a, a poll and the yep. week after I will have as well. Two out of three are done by polls from our patrons, supporters. Uh, and there's a whole sorts of different things on there. Maybe we'll talk more about them later. But uh, this one, you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question on the Sydney Scheinberg level. And the first one comes from Catherine Clough. Catherine, C-L-O-U-G-H. Clough? Clough. Clough. Clough? Clough. Clough. Yeah. Uh, Catherine writes, oh, oh, firstly, she gets to give herself a title, which is record holder, for most coffee sprayed across Dash from laughing at Do Go On. <laughs> but not a Guinness record. Apparently those guys are real bastards. Yeah, they're real pricks. But do you reckon, is, do you reckon she, is she an ace of this? Has this happened five times or more? Yeah, I get that feeling. Yeah. Well, I mean, a record holder, yeah. a really sticky Dash now. <laughs> Catherine asked the question, uh, you three are just the best? Oh, Catherine, fantastic start to a question. <laughs> Great question. I'm listening. True or false? True. True. Uh, and have kept us laughing for many years, even when things were a bit grim. Is there anything we can do for you to say thank you? Money. (laughs) (laughs) 
No. I think I think writing lovely messages like that is very nice. Catherine? Yeah, uh, you've already done a lot. Just I guess the usual ways to support the show, I would say tell a friend. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. is very nice. Or, you know, get on social media if that's your thing. Spread the word about it. Give us it. A, a review on something nice. It is always nice to, because that just sort of, yeah, gets us out there and the more people that, that find us. You know, the more likely we're going to keep going. Of I reckon course. a lot of the people who listen, probably the majority, uh, found us because someone recommended it to <clears throat> us to them. Either yeah. someone on another podcast or a friend yeah. or a family member. It's a real word of mouth game. So we appreciate anyone who has ever. But I do know there are also people who are just someone probably listening today who just um, searched on their pod app Red Baron and they they were just feeling like learning about the Red Baron today. They're hoping yeah. to hear about that Spanish rock band from the 80s. Or, or, or they're a Red Baron fanatic who just wants to listen to feel frustrated at people who aren't quite nailing <laughs> yeah. certain pronunciations and things. But anyway, yeah, Catherine, what a lovely message. Thanks so much. I mean, you're already supporting us on the Patreon. Oh, that's, I mean, that's a huge way to support the show. So thank you yeah, so much. Absolutely. You are a legend. Thank you so much. Catherine, the next one, and thanks so much for spraying that coffee. Keep spraying that coffee. Yeah. Best way to support us is spraying that coffee. Fantastic. Because yeah. you pull up at the lights and you go, someone's laughing so hard over there, they just sprayed their coffee. You I must the window. find out, yeah. Hey, what are you listening to over there? Because yeah. I assume you're listening to something. I'll send you a link. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, airdrop you a link. I'll air check, turn <laughs> your airdrop on. Airdrop. Oh, no, they're just sending me a photo of someone's butt. Yeah, <laughs> Prank classic. They're <you. laughs> <laughs> playing the long game. Uh, Dave, you've got, honestly, I mean, I should say this off pod, but stop airdropping me pictures of butts. Hmm. I'll send you 50 and you've got to guess which is mine. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I know that tush anywhere. <laughs> All right, it's 50 of mine from different angles. <laughs> uh, the next one comes from Paul Meller, who has given himself the title of Ambassador for Do Go On, bracket, Oldham Branch, close bracket. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Beautiful. We've been really, really meaning to expand. Yeah. Further around Oldham. Yep. Oldham. 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 Sorry. Uh, we've also got someone, I believe Oldham. we're trying to recruit someone in Oldham. Yes. So we're really spreading, but Oldham, one of my favourite uh, places. Paul has given us a fact. This is Paul's fact. Did you know that the first British fried chip originated in Tommyfield, Oldham, in around 1860, from which the origins of fish and chip shops and the fast food industries can be traced. Wow. Great work. Love you bringing it back to Oldham, my favourite place. And thank you. Thank you for chippies. Yes, honestly. Wow. Oh, one of my favourite food, chippies. Uh, it says, I don't quite, un- I think it's a typo in here and I can't figure out what it is, so I'll just say it as it's written. There is no named Old Hamer associated with this milestone in food history, but shortly afterwards, Mr. John Lees established the first fish and chip shop in the world locally in a wooden kiosk in Mosley. Around the same time, another gent, Mr. Joseph Marlin, claimed the same in London. Whoever fried the first chip may be a mystery, but my town claimed the origin. Mm. Thanks, Paul. And I think that read like there wasn't a typo, didn't it? I didn't hear a typo. Okay, so well great. Done. <laughs> I'm sorry, Paul. Uh, can I piggyback off that fact? Here we yeah. go. This might be very obvious and, and people are like, yeah, we all know that, but I didn't know this. You know, You know how... You go to a place that have triple cooked chips? No. No. You don't know that? Triple cooked fries? Like they've been fried three times, that kind of thing? No. You no. never had that at a pub? No. no. Well, this fact is going to absolutely bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everywhere's got those now. I've heard of beer battered chips. Yeah. Triple cooked fries? You never had those? No. Well, you obviously I don't even, I can't even think of double cooked fries. Just fries. I've had fries. That sounds very oily. 
It'd be almost too crispy. Well, for the people at home that are, are cultured and have experienced uh, triple cooked chips, this might blow your mind, or you might be like, "Yeah, we all know that they were invented by Heston Blumenthal." Well, that oh. makes sense. Nineteen ninety-three. That does make sense. Heston, he's crazy. He's crazy. But oh man, I thought everyone had tried a triple cooked chip. Where Where are you getting triple cooked chips? It's just like a pub staple. I really don't think we mix in the same circles. Do yeah, you must go to the fancy affluent. Pubs. Where, the pubs we go to just says chips. Get them or don't, fuckhead. Yeah, that's on the menu. It's yeah. very aggressive. So, Dave, yeah. okay. take us to this fancy establishment. Well, I have just Googled triple cooked chips in Melbourne, and the number one thing that comes up is try the triple cooked chips at Rockpool Bar and Grill, which is a famously expensive restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry, everyone. You fancy little fuck. You really outed yourself there as a fancy little fuck. <laughs> uh, this next one comes from Gary J in the UK. Hi, Gary. And <laughs> Gary J's... Title is next into bat. It's a little cricket term That's there. That's good, Gary. Nice one, Gary. Good areas, Gary. All right. Um, Gary writes a question. <laughs> I love my cricket. Oh, there you go. Okay. What? We didn't know that, Gary. I love my cricket. So I was wondering if you were playing cricket, hypothetically, uh-huh. and one of your co-hosts came into bat Yes. while you were fielding in close, maybe okay. silly mid-off, uh-huh. how or would on. you sledge them? To get in their head. Well, I mean, what did we just call Dave? Fancy little fuck? Fancy little fuck. Fancy little, oh, check, hey, boys, check out this fancy little fuck. Actually, nothing works on Dave. That's what's hard. No, I reckon I know what works on Dave. Well, here we go. Dave, we just took a group photo. You, <laughs> you look a bit shit. <laughs> you <don't... laughs> Your eyes are closed. I'm posting it. <laughs> oh, please don't. Oh, please don't. Oh, no, I've been bowled out. Oh, no. <laughs> Gary, why are you starting turf war at Dugo One? How would we um how would we throw Matt off his game? Um, I would just say, Hey Matt, piss off idiot. <laughs> Steve War sends his back. And he just have some PTSD. He's like, Oh no, that's right. Oh, no. And uh, to Jess I would just whisper, Hey, you've never done this before. <laughs> That's a really hard ball. <laughs> you could get seriously injured. Just walk away I, now. I think probably what any of us could say to any of us would be, you're bad at cricket. <laughs> you are not good at this. You will, this will not go well. <laughs> Dave, you've never been good at sports. Why are you starting in your Dave, 30s? You can't even hold the bat, mate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, great question, Gary. Great um, one. Ideally, though, I should say, and this is a rule on primates, if you if you ask a question, you got to answer the question. The question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that case, Gary, we really needed the what what sledge we would be able to give to you in reply. No pressure. Don't have to answer it now, but next time you ask a question or anyone asks a question. Answer it. Answer as well. For fun. <laughs> and also to give us an out. I thought you were about to be, we... for fuck's sake. <laughs> for fun. Come on. <laughs> and fi- finally this, this week on the Fat Quota question, we've got one from Roy Phillips, and it's another question. Let's see if Roy follows the rules I like that, that we just That imposed. I probably haven't ever said apart from on Prime. But you've said that you enjoy it when it happens. Yes, you. Yeah. That's true. You've definitely praised it. Uh, so this one from oh, Roy Phillips, sorry, whose uh, title is Tongue Twister Extraordinaire. Oh, what are you doing with that tongue? <laughs> uh, Roy asks, have you used any of the facts you learn on this show in conversation? Oh, and he does. He answers it. Yes, well done, Roy. Uh, yes, I definitely have. But, you know, I don't retain much. I can't think of specifics, but I have definitely been like, yeah, we've done a report on that. 
And I remember this part. Yeah, I remember two. The one that first came to mind, which I've definitely dropped into conversations, was that hue and pine yeah. never oh, rots. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Andy Matthews, for that one. Love that one. From the Gentleman Bushranger episode. Yeah. He, he had a whole chunk on hue and pine. Blew my mind. The other one that comes to mind, I remember telling a few people after we recorded, was um, the Franklin Expedition, how, spoiler if you haven't heard it, but how um, it turned out the tins were soldered cheaply. Yeah. And the lead... Ended up poisoning the food. Yeah. Mm. That is a wild, what a wild, they packed so much food. Yeah. That was so well prepared. It wasn't good. And that's what brought them unstuck. I like to tell people about how uh, Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You is not, in fact, a love song, but a resignation song. That's a great fact. That's a good one. Yeah. Sang it to Porter Wagner in his office. So good. As a resignation. And he said... You can leave as long as I can produce this record or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, great. He said... I've definitely used that as well. Yeah. Good fact. He said, um, I can't have to stop you there. I really have to take this call. So if you could just... And uh, <laughs> just a second, uh, hold it there. Sorry, Dolly. Sorry. I've definitely... I definitely, yeah, whip, yeah. whip out the old the old factor. Da- okay. Like, you know, <laughs> Dave, uh, uh, that's what his nickname for his Johnson. The Factoroo. The old Factoroo. <laughs> yeah, we're about the old oh. Factoroo. Um. <laughs> and then once I've uh, put that away, then I uh, tell people some interesting tidbits. <laughs> and then I say, bits. Uh, my friend Alistair Tromley Birchall told me that the uh, plural for penis is peenies. Peenies. Mm. <laughs> Quite a good fact. <laughs> I forgot that fact. That's a great fact. I would. I reckon people say peni. Yeah, that is, peni, um, penises. But it's peenies. Peenies. What's Roy's one? Uh, Roy's is, I used the challenge of blowing up because the O-rings were too cold fact oh. at work the other day. I applied, I it applied to the situation. Okay, good. You were, <laughs> just, everyone's quiet in the office. So the challenger went down because of the O-ring. Okay, Roy. <laughs> Thanks, We've Roy. talked about this, Roy. Roy, we're trying to run a kindergarten here, Roy. Yeah, please stop telling the children about tragedies. <laughs> Uh, they they were all uh, very good examples of facts, quotes, and questions. Yes. Thank you so much, Catherine, Paul, Gary, and Roy. Thanks, everyone. Uh, like I say, get involved on that if you go to the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial level edition. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Now, we also like to thank a few other supporters who are on the shout-out level, which I always forget what it is, but I think it's it's one of... $5 a month or more. Yes. Ask Prod. Ask, ask Prod level. Jess normally comes up with a little game to play, something to do with the topic. Any, what do you, any thoughts? It's got to be a colour and a title. Oh, yeah. You know? Fantastic. We've got to give them their own badass title. Co- a colour and a term for not being able to have kids. So <laughs> <laughs> now quickly we'll run so out the of blue, those. So <laughs> the blue sterile. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't waste it, Dave. Save it. No, it can be, it can be a colour, anything. Great. Love it. All right. Well, if I can kick it off, I'd love to say thank you so much from Makina in Illinois, United States, Sean Gallagher. (laughs) Sean Gallagher. How about the green? Whippersnipper. Yes. I love it. Because, you know, spinning blades. Yeah, that's kind of badass. You hear it and you go, what's that? What's that? Oh, my God. It's the green whippersnipper. I think green... Doesn't make you sound as scary as red for some reason. The red yeah, whippersnipper sounds scary. more scary. Mm. Green's good. So he's, oh, you kind of imagine he he, he he does it in a friendly way. Oh, wait, are these people all killing? <laughs> are they all killing machines? Um, I 
that's for them to decide. Okay, fantastic. In a way, aren't we all killing machines? Mm, in so many ways. You know what I mean? Thank you so much, Sean, you green whippersnipper. And I'd also love to thank, without a, a location or a surname, mm-hmm. I'd love to thank supporter of of over a year, Annie. 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 Yeah, no, I must Annie, go off here. Annie. What are you thinking? Well, I'll give you a colour, Destiny. Go off for something like this? Yep. In okay. the UK somewhere. Okay. Oh, okay. What about the... The mauve whale. Oh, that's pretty good. The mauve whale. Mauve whale. That's awesome. That could be a cute picture book. Yeah, the you know? mauve whale. And it's oh. like it's like the little whale who's mauve and it's like, oh, I'm different. Yeah. It's like the rainbow fish. What's the rainbow fish thing? Yeah, and then it ends up becoming a strength and it shares its little yeah. its scales that are rainbow with the others. Yeah. It's like that. Which is, oh, I'm different. But then that's what makes you special. That's right. The mauve whale. Your little mauve whale. That's cute. Matt, that's cute. That's cute, mauve whale. Mauve was my nana's favourite colour. There you go. <laughs> that is a real nana colour. I don't know my grandma's favourite colour. I'll ask her next time. Well, I was lucky I got in because she has passed on. So get in while you yeah. still can. Ask that question while you can. Because that, that information, you know, that goes with them. Probably haven't, hasn't put that down anywhere. Yeah. Well, Unless, actually, that's a good note too. Uh, while you are alive, write down somewhere what your favourite colour is. Favourite colour is for the next generation. I would like for to say posterity. on the record here, mine is blue. Mine's green. Yes. I will also, also take blue. blue. Yes. Thank you. And I think that's us, isn't it? You two yeah. always teaming up. Yep, against Me. you. <laughs> Bit different, but mixed, so similar. Mixed with you, and then another another primary color. Yeah, 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 perfect. That's us. <laughs> That's us to a T. Isn't that us? But then, what's interesting, Matt, is that you and Dave have blue eyes, uh-huh. and I have green eyes. Whoa. What? Yeah. So it's like it should be you and I should swap, but it just works this way. I'm tripping out. I right know. Now. Am I a wanker for liking blue then? Yeah. Yeah. Because essentially you're just saying, I love my own eyes. Well, I do. They're beautiful. So you I was at a uh, market recently and there was a store there where they exclusively take a photo of your eyes and then print it out. Oh, okay. Mm. That's For what? What? You could just have a... Like, ha- like as artwork. So you could just have artwork in your house of your own eye. Yeah. Okay. I kept walking. <laughs> we are running out of business <laughs> yeah. ideas, aren't we? <laughs> They were I mean, not people do chat. a lot of like you know pet portraits, and maybe it's the new, um, you know how you, like people had those bumper stickers of their families, mm. like the little stick figures. Maybe the new thing is like the eyeball of everybody eyeball. in the family. Yeah, I reckon. Oh, everyone's eyeball in the family. Yeah, yeah. The new uh, thing up on the uh, top of the mantle. <laughs> yeah, wow, beautiful. So lovely. Beautiful. Love that. Actually, mm. Dave, I'm going to need the details yeah. of that market. A real feature piece. <laughs> Uh, and finally, for me, I'd love to thank from Pascovale, just down the road in Melbourne, Zoe Clippingdale. Oh, that's a fantastic name, Zoe. Yeah, Zoe. glowy, uh, glow, uh, uh, fluoro yellow. Yes. Because I accidentally said glowy, that felt right. Fluoro oh, yellow, like gold, but fluoro gold, yellow. yeah, gold, gold. Finch. Oh, gold finch, which is a kind of bird. Yep, that's right. And also, that is that a, that's a book. Golden Finch? Yes. But I'm not ripping any of them off. Okay, sure. No, it's the gold, not golden, it's the gold yeah, finch. Yeah, Dave gold said the golden finch. finch. This is different. It's gold this finch. This is gold finch. Dave, so get your head out of your butt. Sorry, everyone. 
Thank you, Zoe. And fantastic name, if I may say Zoe so. Zoe Clippendale is a fantastic name. But is this the Goldfinch? Sorry, it's not even Goldfinch. <laughs> you said the title. Oh, I said the wrong title. Fuck. Fuck. Um, Sorry, Zoe. Can I thank some people as well? That'd be so good. Thank you so much. I would love to thank from Collaroy in New South Wales, James Cox. Uh, the purple panda. Purple oh, panda. panda. Your favourite animal, the panda. Oh, I love them. There was one this week went viral. Uh, it went. It snowed in Washington DC where they got some at the National Zoo, and uh, they absolutely loved it. Oh. And there was this vision, like from the security cameras of the pandas, of this one just sliding down a hill on its back, and then it crawled to the top and just did it again. Oh, that's <laughs> it the was best. so funny. That's the kind of oh, news I, I need in my day. Oh, it was so beautiful, really. That's the best. Um, so thank you, James. James, the purple panda cox. I would also love to thank from Smithtown, New York, Peter J. Evans. Pete Evans, that's not a name you I know, that's share, why I put the J in yeah, there. you got to. Though I doubt that from Smithtown, New York. They've got no idea that we have a controversial chef in Australia called Pete Evans who spouts quite a lot of bullshit. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, I didn't realise we had a couple of scientists in the <laughs> studio today. Yeah. You're debunking... <laughs> that chef's science? Okay, here we go. Heard it all now. But Peter J. Evans. Uh, uh, the beige Ooh. bandicoot. Ooh. Ooh. Like yeah, you saved with bandicoot because yeah. beige, obviously, a very beige colour. Beige. Beige bandicoot. bandicoot. Beige bandicoot's great. That's cute. Yeah, yeah. it's cute. Bandicoot. Oh, beige bandicoot. Copyright that? Should we get t-shirts, man? That's bandicoot as fuck. Oh, yeah. That's good. You could be that. I could be that. You could be be that person person who who says says stuff like that. (laughs) Who says the beige band... I mean, like... I wouldn't. I don't think Dave would... But you could be that person. I could be that person. Yeah, for sure. I'd be happy if you said that. The beige bandicoot is bandicoot as fuck. Thank you, Peter. And I would finally love to thank... From Silver Spring, MD. Maryland. Maryland. I mean, that's already... uh, a colour and a thing. Silver Spring. I'd love to thank Will Hancock. The Silver Spring. The Silver Spring. Oh, fantastic. No, that's where already where he lives. He's, he's that every day. We need something different. The gold. Okay. <laughs> We've already done gold. Okay. Uh, bronze bronze fountain. fountain. The Bronze Fountain. Nah. Uh, nah. I was thinking more like a spring. Oh, slinky. The Bronze Sprinky. The Bronze Slinky. <laughs> the Bronze Sprinky. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Bronze Spring. Put it in. <laughs> oh, snorted. Pretty good. Sorry about that. Did you enjoy that? Dave, do you want to bring us home? I would love to. Thanks, Will Hancock, the Bronze Sprinky. Bronze Sprinky. <laughs> I'd love to thank from uh, Hawthorne, South Australia, Kate Conroy. Kate Conroy. Okay, what about the uh, the chocolate? Oh. The chocolate uh, uh, train carriage. Oh, that's cool. The chocolate train carriage. Chocolate train carriage. It's <laughs> sort of satisfying to say, chocolate train carriage. Yeah, I like it. I imagine Poirot for some reason yeah. riding the chocolate train carriage. <laughs> Poirot on the chocolate train carriage. Yeah. The mystery of the chocolate train carriage. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for your support, Kate Conroy, the chocolate train carriage. <laughs> I would like to thank now from uh, Highland Heights, Ohio. Oh, Ohio. Drew Forsberg. Drew Forsberg. Oh, On you, Drew. Names today. God damn. Uh, Drew Forsberg, the white. Uh, 
Lizard. The white lizard. Yes. Yeah, love it. Yeah. That's my lizard sound. Oh, wow, that's a pretty good lizard impression. Because they need to soak up the sun, right? Mm. And the white would help do that, or does that reflect it? Oh, it reflects it. Reflects it, it which means he, he has to work harder. Yeah. No, mm. smarter. But mm. yeah, but has all all his friends hang yeah. around. Yeah, there's a bunch of white lizards. Yeah. They're having a really nice time. And they're just, it's all reflecting off each other. It's essentially just a big pool party yeah. all year round for them. Oh. It's a good life being love a white that. lizard. I love it. I would like to thank now from Adelaide, South Australia, our final person to thank is Grace Brooks. Grace Brooks. Orange. Pinata. Orange pinata. Orange is a good colour. Yeah. Yeah, pinata, fun thing. Yeah. Yes. Everyone loves a pinata. Yes. You get to smash it, you get to eat lollies. There was a pinata at the, neither of you attended, which obviously hurt everyone's feelings, at the stupid old Christmas party. There was a pinata. And uh, Beck betrayed us absolutely. Oh. <laughs> because Beck absolutely smashed the shit out of like, it. Few people did, and it was pretty brutal. It was confronting. <laughs> uh, one of the things where you're laughing, and then everyone stops. It's <laughs> <laughs> watching Beck like, like tackle it off the rope. She's just, just <laughs> using her fist to punch the no, shit out of it. No, just one hit. She just hit it in the sweetest spot, and it <laughs> exploded Amazing. and flew through there. Oh, so good. Yeah. Oh, good times. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, it's nice to think back to that beautiful year, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I miss it. Yeah. Thanks, Grace Brooks. Orange pinata. Um, yeah, well, that, oh, no, that doesn't quite bring us to the end of the episode. I was meaning to mention on this episode, I, um, I, uh, during the week I was doing a gig and beforehand, someone came up to me and said, hey, you Matt Stewart? And I said, yeah. And they're like, I'm a do-go-honor. But uh, my head was, like, out of the game. I was... I was also with two like well-known comedians, so oh, I, right. so I thought she was gonna say, "Hey, I'm sorry, are you?" And said, "Yeah." One of, so I'm like, I was a bit confused, and then we had a brief conversation. I have a real bad feeling I'm, I was rude. Anyway, if you're listening, I'm sorry, and I hope you had a great to- a great night. That's nice. I'm sure you weren't rude. Um, cause you, I, I've met you before. Did you tell them to piss off idiot? Yeah. Did you say <laughs> I piss did off say idiot? piss off idiot. <laughs> You're like, my hero did that to me. I'm sorry. You know, you just, you become what you see. And I yeah. saw Steve or tell me to piss off idiot. And you assume that you are her hero. <laughs> so. She also asked for your sonnies. She, no, well, <laughs> That'd be very funny. No, at the time, his twin brother was my cricketing hero. Mm. So I assume my brother was her hero. Yeah. <laughs> That works. She's a big fan of, of the plumbing work of Tom. <laughs> Hi, sorry, are you Tom Stewart's brother? Piss off, idiot. Oh, I, that happened to me once. I was Back when I was selling air conditioning, I, I was on a site that I w- was working on a big job on, and uh, <laughs> this guy apparently went up to my brother, who was doing the plumbing there, and we, neither of us knew. He said, your brother doesn't happen to sell air conditioning, does he? <laughs> <laughs> Just on how we were, he's like... I would never take that gamble to go. You always sound like an idiot yeah. when you go, hey, you kind of look like this person I know. Any chance? Like, I never would bother <laughs> asking that. But um, anyway, very fun sidetrack there. Um, so, this is the part of the show. Just before we close out, we welcome some people into the Triptych Club, mm. very exclusive club. Uh, and you get involved in this if you have supported us on the shout out level or above for three years completing the Triptych. And uh, there's a whole club you're invited into. 
Uh, I'm on the dog at the Velvet Rope. We've got the list. I'm going to read out some names. As you come in, Dave will then hype you up. Jess then hypes up Dave because he needs uh, he needs it. Thank you. But <laughs> Jess has also put together a little menu. There's some uh, hors d'oeuvres and some cocktails. Yeah. Dave's booked a band. What do we got? What's on the menu? Well, it's a bit of a double whammy. Obviously, uh, where possible, we like to theme it to this week's topic. And this week, everything uh, we have to eat or drink is red and will make you barren. Okay. <laughs> Oh, my God. So, so probably, yeah, I guess depending comes, on where you're at. Yeah, in your life, maybe. Maybe uh, do or don't drink. Yeah, I mean, we've still got everything from previous weeks and just a normal sort of bar. Yeah, so you can have actually, other stuff. It's a pretty hectic menu, actually. It's honestly too much, you know. We should start rotating some things off. Yeah. Like that time you said water. <laughs> <laughs> was that me or was that Jackson? Oh, it could have been Jackson. Um, we probably should keep water as an option, actually. Yeah, keep water. Anyway, this week uh, we've got Bloody Marys and uh, vodka cranberry juice. Yep. Um, and all of these will make you barren. Well, I'm I'm lacing them with stuff that makes you barren. Okay. Yes. A Bloody Mary is not going to because the of theme. the red barren. Yeah, the theme, what else am I supposed to do with barren? Well, I mean, you could just have the red drinks. <laughs> Call them red barons. Oh. You don't have to actually make people barren. Oh no! Yeah, you're right. Is actually. it too late? Have you already mixed them up? No, but I have bought a lot of okay. drugs, <laughs> so it would feel wasteful. Yeah, right. Okay. I've done it on the company card, though, so if, you, if you're if you okay with me just flushing all of our money down the toilet. Yeah, I think so. Sure. I think in this case, yes. To not make all of our patrons barren. Yeah. Well, just in case someone accidentally has one and they are looking to have kids. Okay. Um, anyway, any food? Yeah, we've got margarita pizza, lots Fent- of tomato-based oh, things. Fantastic. Soup. And Dave, uh, what band have you booked? <laughs> you want to go to a bar and have some soup? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't have enough teeth. <laughs> it's perfect. Shut up. You're the one with the fucked esophagus. You no, have some soup, soup I lo- boy. I love soup, so thank you. Of course you do. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, the band this week is Eurythmics. Oh. Who I've just read here. Do you know this? If this is correct, Eurythmics were formed... In Wagga Wagga, Australia. What? That, is, that cannot be That's true. That's not true. Dave Stewart and Annie Lennox. And Lennox. It says Stewart and Lennox were both previously in The Tourists, a band which broke up in 1980. Eurythmics performed later that year in Wagga Wagga, Australia. No kidding. Can't tell you that's true or not, but still, is that a fun fact? Is that from The Orge? That's from The Orge. Yeah. When I used to fact check for a TV quiz show, we weren't allowed to use Wikipedia as a no. reference. But they said it's a really good starting point because um, they have to use references on there. So then you go back to their references. But I've got it here in uh, Sydney Morning Herald saying it's true. Yeah, I'd trust, I'd trust them probably. Uh, all right, so let's um, bring some people in. Firstly, you ready, Dave? Let's do this. I'd love to welcome in from Bristol in Great Britain, it's Mr. Thomas Keywood. Oh, the keyword to this night going off is here. <laughs> Uh, I didn't uh, know where he was going to go with that one. Thank you. Uh, only three tonight. Uh, so the second of three from Lindenhurst in New York, United States, Anthony Torres. <sighs> Torres to me straight. Is this going to be a great night? Yes, it is. <laughs> Torres, like, ta- ta- shut up and just say the third name. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Honestly, Torres it's all about momentum. And finally, from Athens in God's country, Ohio, it's Graham Kosh or Cock. <laughs> Which one are we going with? Kosh. Kosh. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh my cock! Thank you so much for coming down. I can't believe it, Graham. Pleasure. Put my hand out. It's a proper shake, which you're probably not allowed to do anymore, but still, anything happens in this club. Uh, so, welcome in, Graham, Anthony, and Thomas. Um, make yourselves at home. Grab yourselves one of the cocktails, mm-hmm. which will not. Make you barren. Yeah. Or Matt's to, been a bit precious let's about be, it, to be honest. Just be safe and have one of the other, something else <laughs> off the menu, to be honest. I don't know if I fully trust Jess. Uh, well, that, yeah, that brings us to the end of the episode. Is there anything else we need to say before we go? Uh, we are doing some shows uh, in Melbourne at the end of March and throughout April. Tickets have been on sale by this time, time this comes out a week now. Hopefully there's still some tickets left if you're interested. Check us out uh, by clicking the link in the description of this episode. It is March 28, April 4, April 11, April 18, Sundays, 8.30pm, the European Beer Cafe. We can't wait to get back in front of a live crowd. Yeah, but like we're recording this ahead of time and it's, uh, it's they're, all shows are over half sold already. So there's only 13 tickets to the first show left at this stage. Yes, yeah, so get involved if you can. Um and, yeah, you can find us on – where can you find us again, Jess? You can find us at uh, pissoffidiot.com. <laughs> oh, we've got to buy that now. Yeah, sorry. No, you can find us at Do Go On Pod on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and do go on pod at gmail.com and dogoonpod.com. And you'll be pleased to know that pissoffidiot.com is not currently taken. All right, so let's do it. Steve Ward. He's, I mean, it's his catchphrase. Yeah, he's really he missed really the trick there, hasn't he? He could be selling sunglasses on this website. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, I'll say thank you and goodbye. Later. Bye. Piss off, idiot. <laughs> <laughs>